Uh, that first reading is so great. You know, sometimes Bible translators put words just really well. And <laughs> in verse 11 of what Volkmar just read, it says, They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I can't help but think that Easter sometimes just seems like nonsense. You know, it, maybe, it's, maybe it's moments of doubt, maybe it's moments where my brain is just especially analytical, and I just think, why in the world do we celebrate a day that a first century Jewish teacher, rabbi, that his followers claimed he rose from the dead? What a silly thing. And, and then I hear songs like that, and I, and I pray, and I, and I read the stories of Scripture, and I look at my life, and I see the people around me, and I think, oh wait, I remember why. Tonight, we're going to talk about why. Tonight, we're going to talk about why it's not nonsense. Why Peter, one of, the, <laughs> one of the best-known disciples, it says at the end of that last reading, ran to the tomb. He didn't think it was nonsense. And he ran to the tomb, and he, and he bends over, and he says, what's happened? I want to welcome you on this Easter. Uh, Easter is a fun day to be a pastor. Uh, it's fun, even though I'm out of the house all day, even though it's a busy weekend. We have service Thursday night, we have service Friday morning, and, and even though you try to enjoy Saturday, you're thinking about Easter on the next day, and, and sometimes it feels like a chore, but... But tonight, I want to celebrate with you all. Tonight, I want to remind us why we celebrate. You know, we have this thing called Holy Week. And all week long, it starts with Palm Sunday. You know, the triumphal entry of Jesus back into Jerusalem. uh, Five days before he would be betrayed. And, And then we have Passover on Thursday night. We have the betrayal late Thursday night, early Friday morning. We have his trial before Pilate. We have the cross. We have Saturday, which is full of questions and anticipation. And then we have today, Easter. The day of his resurrection, a day to celebrate. It doesn't have much to do with bunnies and eggs, stuff that's come along afterwards. It's fun. It's fun to have chocolate. It's fun to have jelly beans. It's, it's, uh, it's fun to have cake shaped like a lamb, which if you've ever seen those are great. We have one at home I'm very excited about. But... But this day is about so much more. It's about finishing the story that Jesus set out to tell. Um, if, if you know the first half of John chapter 21, we're not going to read it. It's a great story of how the disciples go out fishing eight days after Jesus uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me, was resurrected from the dead. And the first time they saw him, eight days later, they're in Galilee fishing. And, and the story goes something like this, that, that they're out fishing all night. And they don't catch anything. And the first thing in the morning, Jesus calls out from the shore, Hey, do you have any fish? Which, as a fisherman, is is always your favorite thing to hear, right? Catch anything? No, thanks for reminding me, Dirk. Um, But no, Jesus goes, and and they're on the Sea of Galilee, and he says, Have you caught anything? And they say, No, we haven't caught anything all night. And so Jesus says, Why don't you cast your net on this side of the boat right now? And they do it, and they pull up such a huge catch of fish that the nets begin to break, and they can't even get it onto the boat. And the disciples remember, it's the exact same way he called them when he first met them. And he called them into the shore when he first met the disciples three years before, and he said to them, leave all this stuff behind and I will make you fishers of men. 
And so one of the disciples calls out and says, it is our Lord. And Peter can't wait, grabs his cloak, jumps in the water and swims to shore. It's a great, great picture. Peter's a great disciple and we're going to talk about him tonight. We're going to talk about Jesus Christ coming back for us. Jesus Christ didn't resurrect and go straight to heaven. He came back to talk to the disciples. He came back to be there for them. He came back to give them instruction, to give them them direction for their life. And for tonight, we're going to find out and we're going to talk about why he came back for Peter. You may recall in the Passion narrative that Simon Peter is quite active. Uh, First, he refuses to have his feet washed. Then he refuses to admit that he would ever deny Jesus publicly both of which end up happening. He also manages to, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus is crucified, cut off a soldier's ear. Uh, Probably shouldn't have had a sword, um, but uh, he did. And Jesus said, no, that's not how we're going to do this. Jesus heals the soldier, and, and, and later that night, early in the morning, Peter denies Jesus three times and goes away in shame and goes away in sadness. Consider the scene that's been set. Jesus knows, or Peter knows at this point that Jesus has been raised. Peter knows and has seen him amongst the other disciples, but we have no, we have no record of a conversation between them. We have no knowledge that they've talked about the kind of awkward event that happened a few days ago. You know, that, that this Peter, the guy who we'll talk about, is one of Jesus' favorite disciples, really, has denied him. Denied him publicly in the courts of the high priest. And and here we have the first recorded story of what happens between the two of them after this really uncomfortable time. And so, this is the third time Jesus appears to the disciples. Uh, The first time was um, with the women at the tomb. The second time was, you know, with Thomas, with the hands and the feet. And he says, you know, now that you've seen, you believe. And And then this is the third time. It says there's seven disciples there, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, and two others, it doesn't name. And then it gives us our story. So please follow along with me on the screen. Uh, we're going to read verses 15 um, through, I suppose, uh, I suppose it says 19, and we'll get, we'll get to the rest of it later. So please follow along with me. Jesus reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you in a way you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, it seems a bit repetitive. And many of us have looked at this story and are familiar with it, and, and, and there's many questions left, and there's many questions we don't know the answer to. But it seems repetitive. It seems repetitive that Jesus would ask Simon Peter, this, this disciple he knows so well, the same question three times. And, 
Even though Peter wasn't necessarily the most important disciple, we know that he was very important. Uh, If you look back at Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 18, I'll just read it for you really quickly. Uh, This is is why Peter had a special relationship with Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says this to Peter. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. This is after Peter says, Yes, Jesus, you are the Christ. And he says this in verse 18. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So see, Peter's kind of an important person. (laughs) He's known as the, the first pastor, the first leader of the church. The Catholic Church recognizes him as the first pope. But yet Peter has this big black mark. And the conversation we have with them is just sort of confusing. Why does Jesus ask this question three times? And and, and he starts with a simple question. It's sort of like Jesus saying, okay, Peter, let's reset. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I'm with you. Okay, great, feed my sheep. But then in verse 16, it's the same question with sort of the same answer. He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. We sort of accept, or expect, excuse me, that Jesus would sort of at, at some point start lecturing, right? Kind of like a parent. Okay, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Okay, let's sit down and let's talk about what you did, right? Let's, let's sit down and let's say, what did you do wrong, Peter? You know, I kind of think that that might have been more influential or more helpful to me because this just seems repetitive. And, and Jesus, but then a third time in verse 17, he asked Peter the exact same thing. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. Scriptures tell us that Peter's feelings were hurt. He says, Lord, why are you asking me this? You know. It's almost like he gets frantic. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And it says Peter's feelings were a little bit hurt. Now, a lot of people have talked about this, and a lot of people have talked about these three questions and thought, well, I know the reason why, or this is the reason why. And, and one thing I've heard that I find interesting is that people will say, oh, well, he asked, he asked him three times because he denied him three times, right? And it's sort of settling the score. Peter denied him three times, and then Jesus is, is making him say he loves him three times. Well, it seems a bit petulant for Jesus to do that. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really work with me because Jesus says that we should forgive someone 70 times seven times. So why would Jesus need Peter to say it three times to somehow forgive him or settle the score? It just just doesn't seem right to me. And I've heard some people say, well, maybe it was a test. Maybe he wanted to make sure Peter was set. Maybe he wanted to make sure Peter was on board to be this, this great leader and this great rock of the church. But would Jesus have said such a strong statement in Matthew 16 before any of this happened? Of course not. Jesus knew Peter. He knew his heart. He knew his soul. He knew how he had made him. He knew that Peter would grow into this great leader. So that doesn't really line up either. I want to share with you why I think and why this is one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. I think Jesus asked because Peter needed to hear it. I think it's that simple. And I think that he did this so that Peter would know what was most important in his life. It's like Jesus holding up a mirror to Peter and saying, Peter, look at yourself. You know who you are. You know who I've made you to be. You know your gifts. You know your strengths. Let's go. Peter knew he needed it. This is why his feelings were hurt. It's like when we know we need to have a tough conversation 
or when we have a, a difficult conversation with someone we love and our feelings get hurt, but we know it's good for us. This is kind of what happened. Peter knew he needed to remind himself of how much he loved Jesus. Peter knew he needed the encouragement of this conversation. He knew he needed true forgiveness. And I just want to remind you tonight that sometimes we think Jesus is going to sit us down and lecture us. Sometimes we don't repent or go to Jesus or go to God because we're afraid that he's going to sit us down and say, now let's talk about what you did. Let's relive it. Let's go through it detail by detail. That's not what Jesus does with Peter. That's not how God works. I called this sermon tonight, Love Personified. Because Jesus is a personified version of love. He is a human version of perfect love. It's love perfectly acted out in a relationship between Jesus and Peter. Jesus goes to Peter and says, Peter, we don't need to rehash everything. I know you're sorry. Peter, we don't need to go through what happened in the temple courts or at Caiaphas's house, the high priest. We don't need to talk about that. I know you're sorry. Jesus knows you. He knows your heart. What Peter needed to to have was encouragement to keep going. What Peter needed to have was this conversation to, to, to build himself up and get over what he had done in the past and move forward with what God had already called him to do, with what God had already made him to do, with the gifts God had already given him. It's love perfectly acted out in a relationship. It's forgiveness perfectly acted out in a relationship. And I know I always talk about analogies and, and stories. And, and for those um, who have ever um, seen me talk in youth group or with the young, young adults or anything, I talk a lot um, about C.S. Lewis. And, and there's a reason. He's the best writer probably in a long time to talk about these topics. And, and even so, to put it so simply, and if anyone here has read, it's one of my favorite books, obviously, and I talk about it a lot, it's The Chronicles of Narnia. And in The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, there is a perfect example of this that, that, that C.S. Lewis modeled after Jesus' conversation with Peter. And if you know this story, you know what happens. There's, there's four siblings, two boys and two girls, and one of them, the second oldest boy, he goes and he betrays his family. And he betrays Aslan, the God character. He betrays the lion, Aslan, and, and, and goes to, to evil, and, but he comes back. And this is the account um, from the book. You can go to the slide card. This is the account from the book uh, of what it says. When Edmund, who's pictured there with Aslan, comes back. As soon as they had breakfast, they all went out. And there they saw Aslan and Edmund walking together in the dewy grass, apart from the rest of the court. There is no need to tell you, and no one ever heard what Aslan was saying. But it was a conversation which Edmund never forgot. And as the others drew nearer, Aslan turned to meet there, meet them, bringing Edmund with him. And he said this, which is on the screen. Here is your brother, he said. And there is no need to talk to him about what is past. This is how Jesus treats us. This is why we celebrate Easter. He says there is no need to talk about what is past. It doesn't mean there's not a place for repentance. It doesn't mean there's not a place for confession. But when Jesus looks at us, he sees his children whom he loves, who he died for. See, Jesus has already done the heavy lifting. This event, this death happened years and years and years ago. 
And he's waiting for you. He's waiting for us to have that conversation with him. And in verse 18 and 19, as Jesus and Peter are talking, Jesus says, feed my sheep because I'm here to tell you there's going to come a time when things get really rough. And tradition tells us that Peter actually was crucified under the emperor Nero in Rome and that he chose to be crucified upside down so that he would not be compared to or did not think himself worthy of the same death as Jesus. And here in in, in verse 19, this is what Jesus is talking about. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. But if you're still willing, if you're still willing to be my rock, if you're still willing to be my pastor, if you're still willing to build the church that I plan to leave, what does he say? He says, follow me. He says, Peter, I know you love me. I have no doubt. Now's the time. Peter's great. And and I love this conversation because when I read it, I just think, man, this is exactly what Peter needed to hear from his Lord and Savior. True love, true forgiveness, it it gets rid of and it forgives all sin. Even outright rejection and betrayal, Jesus says, I know you love me, Peter. I know. And so for you tonight, what I want to encourage you with is this. Jesus has already done it. He's already died. He's already been resurrected. He is alive, and the response is ours. Your response can't be the person next to you. It can't be your wife. It can't be your child. It can't be your parent. It has to be your response. So the question then becomes, what is the conversation Jesus is waiting to have with you? What is the question Jesus is waiting to ask you that you would be encouraged? What is the conversation you need to sit and have with Jesus in private that no one else knows about? like Edmund and Aslan, when you go to God, what is the conversation he wants to have? Maybe it'll hurt your feelings a little bit. Maybe it'll be a little bit hard. But after that conversation, Jesus will look at you and he will say, I love you, follow me. Let's go. Maybe it's faith for the next part of life, for the unknown. Maybe it's to start following him really, truly for the first time. Maybe it's to go back to him. Whatever that conversation that needs to happen for your sake that Jesus is waiting for you to have with him, have the conversation. Take time. Have the conversation with Jesus. For Peter, it was about love and forgiveness about what he had done. Maybe you have a sin in your life. Maybe you have something in your life you've never been able to let go. Jesus wants to forgive you. He wants to remind you of how much he loves you. Jesus did the heavy lifting. He did the hard part. What he asks us to do is go to him and have that conversation. And what's great about Peter, he's such a good role model for those of us who who just trip and fall on our face over and over and over. We don't have the text on the screen, but follow along with me uh, if you have John 21 still open. After this, Peter, I love Peter so much. After he tells him this hard thing, and he says, follow me, you know what Peter does? Verse 20, it says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. This was the one who had leaned against Jesus' supper, uh, or leaned against Jesus' back at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? (laughs) He just has this great emotional moment with Jesus. And then Peter goes, okay, that's great, but what about him? Jesus is like, Peter, focus. This is about me and you. This isn't about him. Peter says, well, what? No, no, Peter, focus. 
says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? What do you care? Follow me, Peter. And he goes and he does. And that's the end of the conversation. I love it. For those of us who fall on our face over and over again and we have the same conversation with Jesus over and over, that's okay. Jesus wants to have the conversation with you. He wants you to remind you that he loves you. And sometimes the conversation is uncomfortable and sometimes our feelings might get hurt a little bit. But you know what? Like Peter, you have been given gifts. You have been given abilities. You have been given a calling based on your talents from the Lord. And Jesus wants to equip you to fulfill it. Jesus wants to meet you there and say exactly what you need to hear, and that's between you and him. And Easter is a great reminder to have the conversation, to talk to Jesus about how to get back on the way. You know, in recent weeks, we have gone through difficult teachings of Jesus here on Sunday nights, and it all points to this. It all points to this because, you know, when you go, I love Europe and I love going to all of these great churches and all of these great things. And actually yesterday I was just in, um, we were just in Bern and, and, and you see the big cathedral there and it's beautiful and they have the big crucifix and everything and you think, ah, it's so beautiful. I once had someone ask me, why don't Protestant churches ever have a crucifix? Why don't they ever have Jesus? Why don't they just have the cross? Because he's not on the cross anymore. Because he's alive. Because Jesus Christ died and was resurrected and he is alive and he has conquered death and the hard part is over, it's done, it is finished. In the same way Jesus, after his resurrection, came back to encourage Peter, he is sitting there waiting for you to encourage you. He is waiting for you to come to him so that he might say exactly what you need to hear to encourage you to follow him. You know, following Jesus is not always the popular choice. Um, I know that full well. And sometimes it's about having a difficult conversation that maybe hurts our feelings a little bit. But it's a conversation we know we need to have. It's a conversation we know is good for us. It's a conversation that grows us. And above all else, it is a conversation that makes us free. It is a conversation that leads us to complete freedom in who Jesus Christ has made us to be. And so we celebrate. We celebrate Easter that Christ is risen. He is no longer on the cross. He is no longer in the ground. That he is risen. He is alive. And he is active on this earth. And we all play a part in that. So whatever the conversation you need to have with Jesus is, I invite you to do it. Tonight, tomorrow, this week, next week, He's there. Please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for all the conversations we have in private and that you are so patient with me. Lord, I thank you for all your brothers and sisters in this room who you have shared your inheritance with, who you have given your life for, who you have conquered death for. And I thank you for all the conversations you've had with those in this room as well. Continue to be patient with us, Lord. Continue to lead us in the way we should go. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this celebration. And thank you for all that it means. May we rest in the truth of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.